You know, um, love Pastor Gordo. We, him and I have a bromance, and we've had a bromance for a while. So if you really want to, if you are not, if you're okay with not, um, with no personal space, walk up to him and, and go like this and say, face pet from Nate, and, see, and just see how that rolls. Um, but I, I love him, and so I want to do two things so you don't miss um, Pastor Gordo, because Pastor Gordo um, does this hat thing, right? Anybody know that he does hat things, right? So I gave him his first hat at one of our children's camp that my wife and I were directing, and I um, asked Gordo to come and help me speak at this camp, and I gave him a hat. I said, you need hats. I said, why do I need a hat? Because children love hats, right? So I have one that he probably doesn't do as well as me. Okay. So I think I fit into this more than him. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, right? I don't think he can do this. So um, he has hats. But I wanted to just say, so I really do. Um, Gordon and I are the kind of people um, that just, we talk to each other all the time. We probably text or, or um, talk to each other at least once or um, twice a month um, just about life. And I love your church for a few reasons, but one just now is I love that you have kids involved in your church up here. That is one, even though they're only given one-word answers. <laughs> I mean, do you know, so how do you, you know, the Bible says, raise up the children in the way of the Lord, and they won't leave it. And I said, you guys are raising up, like, you don't know it, but you're raising up pastors, right? That's how you raise up pastors and stuff and make people comfortable with speaking in front because everybody knows one of the hardest things to do is to speak in front of people, right? Unless you're Gordo and I, and we love, love people, and we just like speaking. And um, so, yeah, Gordo's been a great friend. I, when I quit speaking all over um, Michigan and stuff, I started asking Gordo, listen, they want me to go speak. You go speak for me. So he started taking up. So when he asked me to come, Seriously, I would walk through glass for Gordo. I love the man. He is one of my best friends. Him and Mike McFerrin are the two guys I meet with all the time because they pour into me, I pour into them, and it's a great relationship, right? And, um, and so I really do, and so um, I do hope he's having a great time. Gordo, if you're watching this, love ya. So, no, it's all good. So um, I want to kind of talk this week, because when he called me, so I said yes. He said, okay, I'll send you a thing and tell you what we're talking about. So he asked me to do it. I said yes, because I would say, I would drop everything if Gordo needed my help. I really would. And that's, and I've met with your leadership team before, and I just, and by the way, I love all the signs everywhere, right? Um, it's cool. And, um, but, so when he called me, it was all good. And then a few weeks later, he sent me the stuff and he said, Nate, the next on the series will be talking about reconciliation. And I went to myself and I go, because I don't have a good relationship with my older brother or my oldest son. And I, I just don't have a good relationship. 
And then I have a pastor that brought me, um, we used to live in Cambridge, we used to pastor Free Methodist, I'm a retired um, pastor of the Free Methodist Church because of my health. I have um, interstitial lung disease and COPD, and I am at the second level of congestive heart failure because of um, COVID. And, um, but, you know, I've almost died 14, 15, but I keep coming back. Just when you think I'm gone, bam, I'm back again. So I had a church that, um, when I was tired, say, hey, Nate, will you come down to Cambridge, and we'll pay you $60,000, and you work as much as you can. We don't care about your health. That's a great job. I don't care who you are. And they said, we can't get over 200 people. Would you help me? And I'm great at creating systems and stuff for church growth, and I coach some churches in West Virginia. I coach four churches right now. And... Um, besides working at the church I'm at. And as I um, just think about that, and I lost, my, I lost my mind. Somebody tell me what I was talking about. This is the one, Ryan, you're going to have to fix. So, um, so I was talking, yeah, so Ryan is uh, my, yeah, so Ryan did this. So he hired me, gave me $60,000, work, whatever. He said, I'm not sure you can do our youth. I've been a youth director. I've run Young Teen Camp for nine years. I've done children's camp in Ohio for the Free Methodist Church for, um, I think, five years. I've helped Gordo do the teen camps. And um, so I just like that, working with teens and stuff. So the guy said, and could you do teens because they're starting a teen program? I said, yeah. And they said, well, I'm not sure a 57-year-old guy could do teens. I mean, teens. And so the first night I spoke, eight teenagers came to know Jesus Christ. And so he said, well, I guess a uh, 57-year-old guy can do youth. And, um, and so off we roll. So a year and a half later, we were at 313 people. And he drove me home after church one day and cleaned up. And he said, Nate, he said, I need to tell you something. I said, what's that? Didn't know this coming. He said, my wife never wanted me to hire you. I got to let you go or my marriage is going to blow up. He said, I'll give you $15,000 for October, November, and December if you'll sign this confidential thing and not talk to anybody in the church and tell them what just happened. That was hard. It really, that was one of the hardest things in my life how to deal with. I called Gordo. I said, Gordo, I want to throat punch him. Right? I don't know if you've ever had anybody you want to throat punch when you see him or you talk to him, but I wanted to, I was angry. Like I said, how can the church treat you like this? In Ohio, I don't know if you know this, but there's a clause where you can fire people for no reason at all in the state of Ohio. But I never thought this would ever happen in the church. And so when he talked about reconciliation, I still haven't talked to this guy since that happened. Um, because it just, I, I have a hard time. So when he told me to speak, asked me to speak on reconciliation, I have three relationships that I've never reconciled. Had I, have I forgiven them now? Absolutely. Could I be with them? Yeah, it's, it was, it's been hard, but it's getting better, right? Because in forgiveness, God working through us 
because we can't do forgiveness on our own. So I want to talk to you about this reconciliation and kind of give you um, how we can reconcile with each other, whether it's in the church family, whether it's outside in our um, natural family, or if it's with our neighbors and stuff, how do we do this reconciliation? And I'm going to have you look at two scriptures, um, Ephesians 4.31 um, through 5.2 and Colossians 1.21.22. And, um, and I want you to be able to do it because I look in my phone every week when on Sundays, I look at my phone and I look up these scriptures on gate, um, Bible Gateway. So if you never use Bible Gateway, you should try it out because if you do Bible Gateway, you can just click a button and change. Um, so I like to look at one, the message, two, because it's more modern. I, used, I like to look at the New American Standard Bible because that's the closest to the American, um, the old Greek, and so I like to listen to that. But NIV is what most, so I even look at the King James and see how it is. So I just, um, just a quick note. So if you're looking at the scripture and sometimes you're going, well, I'd like to learn something different. Well, then look through the Bible through another um, version of the Bible and you'll, get, and you'll get different things. Like, I'll tell you this hot tip, you ready? David and Goliath. All right, here's the story of David and Goliath. So I found this out when I did a different version than the NIV. How many people were in the battle between David and Goliath? We're not counting God, just David and Goliath. How many people were in the battle? All right, anybody else? There were three. I grew up in my life, and I was blown away like, poof, nah, I'm reading. Anybody ever read the Bible and go, nah, poof, and your mind was blown? Anybody get this, right? So I've heard the story of David and Goliath my whole life. People acted out and stuff. And I come to this scripture, and all of a sudden, and David's got his little slingshot. No, it's probably this. So he got his little slingshot and his stones, and Goliath is coming out. And if you read the story, it said, and Goliath's shield bearer went in front of him. Right? I never saw that. Nobody's ever talked about that. So it brings up to my mind, what happened? Like, where'd he go? Nobody tells, but yeah. So when you read stuff, right? So I found out there were three people. When Goliath went to front David, he is not even, a, he was I mean, not only a giant, but he was, I can remember looking at the people up, up I'm gonna have to remember this. Yeah, every once in a while, just wave to me. And, um, and so, yeah, so I caught that and I'm going, so all that was happening, and um, he's got this big shield so to protect him. How many knew that? How many go go look it up? There we go. And then you go, okay, I learned one thing from Nate today. I can go home. I'm good, right? Tell Gordy you learned one thing. So what we want to talk about today is um, everybody has conflicts. One of like in, for parents, one of the biggest conflicts I find is how to discipline your children, right? So some people, I'll put them in a corner, I'm gonna put them time out. Some people spank. When my brother was bad and said something or talked back to my mom, she would say, come here, I'm gonna wash your mouth out with soap, and she'd take ivory soap. Anybody ever experienced this besides our family? So she took it, and my little brother bit the soap and started blowing bubbles at my mom. 
And then she got lava soap. If you've never experienced lava soap, it's like soap and sandpaper kind of mixed together, right? And he never blew bubbles again. <laughs> so, but, but that's one of the biggest things, right? So we have this conflict, how are we gonna discipline our kids? Another thing we deal with is um, like loading and unloading the dishwasher. So I have a daughter that um, just got married in February. She's 22, um, my baby girl. Kyla is the love of my life. And um, I love all my kids, but she is my, I'm not gonna say it in case she watches. She may or may not be my favorite, right? So I really, I really do like her. Her and I have been really close. And, um, and when I go, I've been in the hospital a lot, almost died 14 or 15 times. Kyla's the only one that won't come see me in the hospital. And I asked her one time, why don't you ever come see me in the hospital? She said, because I know you're coming home and I'll just wait for see you at home. So that's her. So her and her husband, new couple, she had run the dishwasher and he ate supper and went and put dirty dishes in the clean dishes. My, my daughter's a little bit vocal. She's a little bit um, aggressive sometimes. <laughs> and she just, what are you doing? You know, like she's just, she's tripping. And I swear that she was going to deck him. I mean, really, she went off because she has these certain things. And so she went off and he goes, what I do? You put dirty dishes in the di He said, well, how am I supposed to know? Well, you can, right? So they had this big thing going on. And now they have this little thing on there, the sticker, a magnet that says clean dishes, a magnet that says dirty dishes. And you put the one it is so the other one can keep from getting smacked, Right? And so, but there's all these different things that we can fight about. And I said, but I know this, you can't stay mad because that's, as long as we want to be like Jesus, we can't stay mad. Our goal, if we want to live like Jesus, is to be servant and continue. Like, this is my life goal. I told Stephanie, if I die, I want this on my tombstone. Nate tried to change the world one person at a time, Right? And I continue to tell myself and telling other people, it's not about me. I'm at a church where I'm an associate pastor. My goal is to make the pastor successful and grow a church. That's my goal. And, um, and so it's all good. But that's what we also be about. And it's hard to change life because everybody watches. If you, not even if you say you're a Christian, if you go to church, people watch you. And they want to see if what you are what you are saying, you're really living. And people watch you to judge this. And I don't know if you've ever had this, but people have said, like, are you a Christian, really? Because you're not kind of acting like that. So we got to get past it. So how do we learn reconciliation to get kindness, compassion, and love and forgiveness when people wrong us, when people treat us badly, when things just go on that were unexpected and we're just having a hard time dealing with. And so I want to look at Ephesians. Ephesians um, 4.31 through 5.2. If you would um, read, you, you guys want to read with me? Are you guys good readers? You want to read with me? We'll do this. It's something different from the first service. It makes me feel good. All right, so you can read, not read. It's up to you. So get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, and therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this morning I'm going to look at three ways to um, reconcile with people. Because what reconciliation is, is building the relationship and trying to put the relationship back together. And as I said, God's a funny God because when Ryan told me what this was, then before I can preach a sermon, before pastors can preach, we got to process the sermon through our own. Um, God and I have to work on it. And so in the last six weeks, eight weeks, I've been processing this um, with my, about my children, my brother, this other pastor, to get here where I can say, how are ways we can start to reconcile? And so the first one is to start with forgiveness. I believe this, forgiveness is the foundation of reconciliation. And forgiveness is not a gift for somebody else. Forgiveness is a gift for you. Forgiveness gives you peace to keep going forward in the midst of people that, if you're around them, may cause um, post-traumatic stress, right? They may trigger you. And so I, I, my illustration would be like this. When you don't forgive somebody, you're attached to them. It is like having a bee in your mouth. And as long as you don't forgive them, that bee keeps buzzing around and stinging you. You see the person, it stings you. Somebody talks about that person, it stings you. You keep getting stung over and over and over. And it's not going to stop until you spit it out. The hurt will not stop until you forgive them. And so as I talk about forgiveness, um, I'm going to tell you how I learned about forgiveness for my mom. And for all those people that said, oh, man, he's drinking diet, I mean Mountain Dew, um, it's diet. I'm trying to lose steroid weight right now, um, and I've lost since December 50 pounds drinking water and diet. So I I'm, um, I'm, may not be able to be Santa by December. So it'll be all good. So I learned um, forgiveness from my mom. Um, my mom grew up in a home where my dad was, my grandfather, um, Grandpa Horsley, was um, just a mean guy. He used to, um, he's beat my mom to unconsciousness before because she was trying to protect her brother. Um, my grandfather has um, raped my aunts. Uh, some of my aunts, um, if he got mad during Christmas, he would go out and he would um, take out their Christmas presents and take his car and run over the Christmas presents. He was a very evil man. And um, when I was um, uh, freshman, sophomore, between that time in school, my grandfather got mad at my grandmother for her talking back to him. And he pulled out a revolver and shot her and killed her. And... Um, and so he got convicted of murder, first degree murder, went to Michigan City Prison in Indiana, and my parents wanted us to go and visit him, and we started visiting him once a month. I gotta tell you, that's really not that fun of a trip, right? The only, the only funny thing about that whole thing, because it's really sad, 
is that one time my grandfather said, you know what? Everybody in here, there's nothing in here but a bunch of crooks. You're in a prison. And um, so my parents, and my mom especially, so she had been hurt by my grandfather a lot, but she wanted to get him out of prison. So my mom and dad started um, petitioning the governor. He got emphysema, and he needed oxygen and different things. And he said, look, um, my mom said, let us take him. You don't have to foot the bill for the care he needs. We don't know how long he's going to make it. The doctor said maybe three months. Let us take him into our house. And, um, and like five months later, um, the governor of Indiana gave my grandfather a pardon. And so my grandfather came to live with us. Ed is a teenager. Of all the people you want to have in your house for company, um, a guy that murdered his, your grandma is not the guy. The nightmares that you develop because of that, I can't even tell you how bloody and how bad they are, right? It was just horrible. And he came home, and he would urinate on himself, so we'd have to clean him up. My dad was a doctor. He'd walk out, and we were on a main road, and he'd walk out and urinate over the top. And um, just so people, uh, to give my dad trouble with his business, um, he would try to swing at us. If we tried to help him or he was on oxygen, he couldn't smoke. Um, if we tried to get the cigarette from him, he'd swing at us, try to hit us. He was just mean, vulgar, would cuss us out. And I, and, I, and I would talk to my mom. I said, Mom, why in the world would you bring Grandpa into our house? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And she said, Nate, it's not easy. Every day I have to wake up and I have said, God... You created him, you love him in his junk, and I gotta forgive him. And she said, if I'm gonna be a godly lady, I need to forgive him, and, and it was hard for me. And then one day, I came down to breakfast before going to school, and uh, my grandfather was there, he was in a wheelchair now, so you had to push him everywhere. And um, he was reading, I don't know where this, Gideon Bible, I think I got it from school, or one of us got it from school, so it was just sitting on the table. So my grandfather opened it up, and he saw John 3.16. As he saw John 3.16, he, he was asking me, you know, is this right? Is this? And I, I couldn't do it. So my mom said, hang on, let me get David, that's my dad. So my dad came in, and he said, what's going on, Wilfred? And he said, is this true, John 3, 16, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Does God love me too? And my dad says, yeah. He said, you forgot to read 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And my grandfather just started sobbing. And, um, and he said, I've done a lot of bad things. And said, God will, will take care of that. He loves you in the midst. And that's why Jesus died. For people that are messed up and have messed up lives. And then, um, so then my dad, and he said, he will wipe everything away. And he, and he told him, John, 1 John 1, 9, 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And my grandfather accepted Jesus Christ that morning. Three weeks later, he died. But my grandfather was pardoned twice. After he accepted Christ, he started telling jokes. He started being funny. He quit cussing at us. He didn't try to hit us. He woke up and he was crying almost all the time because he felt like he was treated my mom so badly. And I said, that was, um, that was one of the things that helped me understand forgiveness, right? So I can forgive because I watched my mom forgive a murderer or a rapist that was her father. And so that, and she did it because she wanted to be Jesus, like Jesus, right? That I died. And she had this attitude is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? Jesus was whipped upon, spit upon, put a crown, and put on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because I always think about this. Whenever I think about Easter and I think about Good Friday, I think about what Jesus could have done. So if you've ever read about Elijah, somebody, kids called him Baldy, and Elijah called a bear out of the woods and it ate the kids. By the way, love that story. <laughs> so um, whenever I, I, I want to tell that to my grandkids when they say something nasty about somebody like, wow, you're really big or something like that. Hey, do you know what bears look like? No, I don't. So, um, but it's one of those things, and then you look at Noah and the ark, right? He called all of the animals two by two, except for the clean ones, seven. But like lions and tigers and bears, thanks. And um, so all these animals were coming on. And so what God could have done with Jesus, Jesus could have said, Okay, and brought all the bears. How many believe he could have brought all the bears and lions and tigers two by two or whatever number we went to him, right? So he could have done that. And then I look in 2 Kings, and I, because I, in my mind, I don't know if you ever do this. That's how I find these things. I just want to know, and by looking in different versions. So I looked at 2 Kings, and I looked in the Bible. How many angels can one, how many people can one angel kill? Anybody ever wondered that besides me? How many people can one angel call? So in 2 Kings, um, I think it's 1935, it talks about this. One angel can kill 185,000 people, right? So when you think about God, Jesus' son could, um, I mean, God's son Jesus could call a legion of angels, right? What Jesus could have done on the cross is killed everybody in the world according to the national time clock, raised them all back to life, said, who's your daddy now? And then wiped them all out again, right? I just love that. Instead, he's like this, and he goes, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? Because God had a bigger plan. And so I think about when things we want to do, we should always go back. When somebody offends you, somebody hurts you, you should always go back to this. Look what Jesus could have done, but look what he did. And again, we need to say it's not about me when we're going through stuff. And so as we do this, the next step is this. Aim for unity. 
And I looked up what unity means, and it says this. Unity doesn't mean you have to agree with someone about everything. Unity is possible even if you disagree because unity does not mean uniformity. Unity. So forgiveness and unity. So unity means um, that we're all going to be united. And I want to share this. I'm going to jump ahead just a second. Um, you don't have to change the slide. Well, I'll be good. I'm just doing this because I can. All right. So um, I have this belief that here's a way that we have unity. Is that if you and I and everyone in the church and everyone around us that says they are Christians, if they are trying to get closer to God, if we're all trying to get closer to God, you know what happens? We get closer to each other, right? So all of us, should be going. So unity is this. Unity in the church is that we're all striving to get to the same spot. So you can have unity in church. You can agree to disagree because we're all going to agree on this. We all want to get to heaven, right? We all want to meet Jesus. And so we can have unity if we continue to remember that we just want to draw to God, which draws us to every person that's trying to draw closer to God. In, Paul said in Romans 12, 8, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone as far as it's up to you. As forgive people, and again, if you struggle, um, sometimes just walk away, agree to disagree. But to find unity, sometimes we need to stop and back our truck up and say, okay, what am I going to try to do to fix this relationship? Like, I'm, I've been processing the last um, couple weeks and talking to Stephanie about, um, I'm trying to send to my kids, um, my brother and my, um, and my son, to send them um, a text and start with a text to send them and just say, hey, I'm thinking about you this week, I'm praying for you, and I hope you have a great week, right? Because you have to start somewhere. And so as I thought about that, um, that you gotta start somewhere if you're gonna have unity and reconciliation. And I gotta tell you, I, I have this thought, families that play together stay together. I really believe that. If you have kids, you should play and hang out together. When, when um, Gordo first came here as a pastor, I told him he should take the leadership team and he should take his staff and he should go miniature golfing. He did that, didn't he? All towards the beginning, Nicole. Did he take you guys miniature golfing? All right. All right. You went somewhere? All right. So I told him go golfing, miniature golfing. I believe this because in the church, if you're only dealing with hard stuff, and the same thing in a relationship, if you quit dating your spouse, you are gonna blow up your marriage. 
Because I said, every one of us have a Lubbock in our heart. And if we don't date, like a lot of people date and then they get married, and then all of a sudden all the campaign promises are gone, and all of a sudden they quit dating, and all of a sudden the only time you guys get together or talk or when you gotta deal with hard things, like how to discipline the children, right? And so you're dealing with that, where if you actually dated and stuff together, then you're putting stuff in the love bank and you're gonna, you're gonna be stronger for it. And so I do believe this. And so some of the reasons that we can have unity is this, is how many believe we can agree that everybody, God loves everyone, sinner, saint? Everybody? How many believe everybody needs Jesus? How many believe that we're supposed to be fishers of men? Nowhere in the Bible do I read that it's our job to gut and clean them. So put away the fillet knives. Put away the fillet knives. When we see, I had a biker Sunday a few weeks ago at our church um, because I wanted the people to experience bikers coming into their church. For no other reason, I want them to see it. When I was in Michigan, I started with five Mennonite ladies, ending up um, six years later with 130 people. We had Mennonites, we had bikers, and I had Michigan militia people. That's God. It's because we are all striving to be close to God, and when you're all striving to be close to God, then those things don't matter anymore. And so, um, and we're saying, well, Pastor Nate, well, what about, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's been going on. You don't know what they did to me. I don't. I don't. But because of my grandfather, when I was little, I was molested. Um, wet the bed till I was in eighth grade. Didn't ever go to anybody's house, stay over because I had this problem. The nightmares, I had nightmares. They got worse when my grandfather moved in. It was hard. When I went to my first church in Ohio, when Charlie Young brought me down from um, Michigan to pastor in um, Southern Ohio, they had oak doors, and um, I said, those are beautiful. They said, yeah, they cost 400 piece. I said, well, you gotta put windows on the nursery. I said, I can't, you can't not have windows on that, there's not on my watch. And I talk about it um, during um, Emmaus walks for men and women, I, I'm a speaker down there in Southern Ohio. And I want you to know, if you've been molested, it's not okay. If you've been abused, it's not okay. You should not feel guilt. You should not feel shame. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And I want you to know there's hope through Christ who restores us. And if you have dealt with any of this stuff, I ask that you talk with Pastor Gordo. I'm gonna, um, or your worship leader deals with that stuff. So, um, but come to them. I'm gonna send them some resources and some stuff that I've used, but sometimes we don't talk about, but I, I know how it was in my fam. For me, it was rough. I hated myself. It was, to, for me to get here was a long way with God. I'm only here by the grace of God. And so I go back to Ephesians. 
Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. It's not about you. It's not about your abuse. It isn't meant to shame you to start a relationship. You know, for my, um, for my relatives who molested me, I've had to go to family reunions and they want to hug you, right? And I'm just, it makes my skin crawl. Only through the grace of God could I work through this. So I'm telling you, this whole reconciliation sermon, this really isn't about your church. This really is about me and dealing with junk. Seriously, I um, got a lot out of this. But one of the things is, we can forgive because we were forgiven. And in Colossians 1, it says this, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish from accusation. God has a plan for your life. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to survive this life that we're in that gets so crazy. And we can forgive because we were forgiving. The praise team's gonna come up in just a second and sing. But I want you to know this. Jesus forgave us even before we asked for it. Jesus died on the cross even before we thought about anything. God had a plan. His plan was to reconcile the world back to him to do this and draw everybody to him and he chooses to use us to do it. And that's why we got to make sure we work on this relationships. And here's the thing. It may start with a note. It may start with a text. It may start with an email. Start somewhere. If there's somebody that you are having struggles with, somebody in your life that you have a broken relationship, start somewhere. Like for mine, I'm starting this week with a text. Hey, thinking about you today, praying for you this week, I hope you have a good week. Because you got to start somewhere. If we are going to, and you have to say, is this going to be the hardest thing I ever did? Absolutely. This would be hard. And so I want to know, so I want you to know, um, this week, Think about someone who's in your life that needs reconciled. And what's your next step? And it starts with forgiveness. And so this morning as I pray, if you have somebody, I ask that you would pray for that person that God may bring to your mind that your relationship is, is hurting. Father God, would you stand as we pray? Father God, Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love and compassion. And Father God, I thank you most of all for Jesus dying on the cross. I thank you that your son said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In the midst of this, when he could have done so much more, would you help us to be more like you? Help us to forgive the people that hurt us. Help us to start being the people of reconciliation.
that this church becomes known as a people that restore relationships through you. Help us with our next steps. And Father God, I ask most of all, in the midst of this, would you be glorified? Would you go before us, create the path we are going to walk upon in this situation? And would you be glorified? We don't want the credit. We don't want anybody to get credit. But Father God, we want people to say, hey, how'd that happen? And we can say, this is what God did in my life. We ask this through the blood of Jesus. Amen.